Ceiling Breakers is where we showcase everyday women doing extraordinary things. It's where we pull out the unspoken stories that validate our experiences and unify us as women. Join us as we defy the narrative and highlight Wichita women as non-conforming, patriarchy-shattering, ceiling-breaking leaders who empower us to own our own stories and live our dreams. All right, and we are back for another episode of Ceiling Breakers with Audra and Stacey. It's just uh, Stacey today. Audra is receiving an award from the Wichita Business Journal for Diversity and Inclusion for the thread. So we're super excited for her, but I am uh, pumped to introduce our uh, guest today on Women's Equality Day. We're super excited. Uh, Emily Christensen is a writer, arts advocate, community organizer from Wichita. In her day job, she writes about the work of artists, designers at Wichita State University. But on the side, she hosts an award-winning podcast and maintains an arts-focused freelance writing practice. Emily also has significant experience in program development and operations and has twice served as a Riverfest parade coordinator. She's a previous recipient of a Dow Jones Newspaper Fund internship and a 2020 fellow of the National Critics Institute. It's America's only boot camp for arts writers so lots of uh, cool background you're much better i will say at podcasts than we are we're just <laughs> figuring out as we go here but thank you for joining us today thanks stacy it's really great to be here <laughs> and i have to say you all do something that i'm impressed by which is i mean i, I have yet to interview people i find that incredibly intimidating so <laughs> You're a great job. Well, thank you. It's a great way to network, to just be like, oh, I really don't have time to talk to you at this event or, you know, how things are right now. Everything's virtual. But why don't you come and be a guest on the show? And people are like, okay. We did that with Sherry Utash. We were like, uh, hey, Sherry, do what you, and she was just like, oh, I'd love to be on. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, it's a great way to like if you're if you're nervous about talking to somebody. So and I know uh, not nervous about talking to you. I feel like we've seen each other uh, over the years at different events and things, but um, excited. Obviously, been wanting to have you on the show for a while. You do so many amazing things. But it's just when I saw the podcast, I was just so excited about it. So we'll get into all of that. But at first, we like to have you tell us a little bit about yourself your background, kind of how you got into this world that you're in. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, okay, I'm gonna try to keep it short. Um, so I lived in, I didn't grow up here, but I lived in Wichita for 23 years, which uh, is hard to imagine. And I really, as I was growing up in college, I really wanted to be a, a writer and a journalist, but I kind of wound up on a different path. Um, and some of that, is because I just, I have a lot of different interests and, but it was also the economy, you know, my, my complete and total lack of self-confidence when I was a younger person. Um, and also just kind of missing some mentorship and, and all that good stuff. So I, I took a really long break from writing and, um, worked a bunch of different kinds of jobs. Some of them kind of crappy. And I started writing again a few years ago. And um, as you mentioned in the intro, I was selected to be a fellow of the National Critics Institute last year. And it's this incredible program. It's hosted at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Connecticut on the beach. Um, of course, in 2020, we did it on Zoom, like we did everything else. But um, I actually was just, I'm just back from Connecticut. We got to get together in person. So I got to meet all but one of um, 
of this, the 16 members or the 15 other members of, of the cohort. And that, that experience is just really transformative for me. And I think it has um, kind of the, it was like the last domino to really push me to uh, reevaluate what I'm doing with my life and kind of try to pursue my dreams in my early 40s. <laughs> Ah, well, it's never too late, of course. That's amazing. I, and I'm so glad you got to go in person. I knew you had said you were out of town when we were trying to schedule this. And I'm so, because when you said, oh, it was on Zoom, it's like, oh, it's just so many. And of course, we didn't get to go places and for, for good reason. But, oh, man, it's just a bummer when you miss out on getting to travel for something like that. So I'm so glad you got to got to meet her we had we had a unique experience because we did meet on zoom we were we did it for a full really intense week and then we've kept in touch so um you know in every other year it's been people showing up on campus and they don't know each other and it was like a family reunion more than anything else Oh, that's so good to hear. Well, amazing. Well, congrats on that. That's amazing. So I want to know, you mentioned a couple things about uh, getting started your career, about self-confidence and needing a mentor. And I think a lot of us struggle with that, especially young women as they're getting started in a field that, you know, might be scary. So I guess, um, I know this isn't one of the questions that I sent to you, but what, um, I guess, how did you get back? Like you said, you're in your early 40s. You're wanting to, to get get going on things again. What brought on this confidence? Did you get some mentorship down the road? Did you, you know, work at a place that, that um, you know, inspired you to have more confidence and be more creative? Where did, where did that come from? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So, you know, it's a, and the answer is more complicated than this, but but really one of the things that put me on this path was getting involved with Harvester Arts, which is a Wichita-based arts organization that really um, is all about serving the arts community. And so getting involved with their, getting involved with Riverfest and getting to do some really cool stuff with Terry Mott, who's the director of marketing there, and working with Ann Kiefer and Megan Doyle on the Riverfest Parade. I just, and really kind of forming and nurturing these friendships that um, were completely supportive of me and the work that I was doing, you know, like no strings, just total support. And I actually found out about NCI through Kate Van Steenhouse, who's one of the co-founders with Kristen Beal of Harvester. And um, she just tagged me in a Facebook post, you know, something as small as that, passing along an opportunity. And um, and then also I've worked, I work at Wichita State. I've worked with students for the past five years. And there's something about giving advice to students, to young people over and over again. And then at some point you realize maybe I should take this advice. You know, maybe I'm not exempt from it. So um, so that's really why I applied to NCI. I tell students all the time that it's not their job to decide whether or not they're ready for an opportunity. It's, who has, who, it's whoever is evaluating their application. So yeah. to not take them out of the running, um, and to use that, you're going to get turned down for things. So to use that as motivation to just, so I just thought I'll apply, I'll get turned down and I will, you know, I'll try it again next year. So it was, um, I was completely 
uh, shocked and amazed to to be included in this cohort uh, the first time around. Oh, it's amazing. Now, I love what you say about giving students advice, because I've done the same thing, right? Oh, you could be whatever you want to be, and you have to do, you know, try and do these things, and then you're just, you're just kind of like, I don't know if I, I can do that. And if Audrey here, I'm sure she would say the same thing. Sometimes you just have to go for it. But it's scary. Um, and especially in the world of education, you're like, you're, you're like, um, what's the old, like, what's the old saying that if you can't do those who don't do teach and it's like, no, you have to do, everybody has to do, we all have to <laughs> do the things that we want to do. So that's amazing. And then you mentioned um, getting involved with the community. And I think that's been huge for me too. I don't think we would have ever, ever been able to um, start anything like this. We wouldn't have been able to start Hopping Gnome um, without getting involved in the community. And sometimes that looks weird. And I have people ask me that. They're like, you do all these things that are very different. And I'm like, yeah, a lot of times, you know, not, not everything you have that you do has to connect, but I can I can make connections with Ceiling Breakers and Hopping Gnome and everything else. And I think that just but just being involved in the community. I've, I worked in nonprofit. I went to school um, for Hayes and, you know, about learning about leadership and getting, you know, civically involved in community organizing and things like that. And I think that some of the, some of my best relationships and the best support have, have come from volunteering for something yeah. or being on a board or, and even if it doesn't have, doesn't have to directly relate to, um, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. It can just be something that's a passion project or something that's just for fun or somebody asks you to, to be on a board or somebody asks you to volunteer and you say yes. I strongly encourage anyone who is looking for um, ways to connect because I think it is hard these days. And I know not everything right now, not everything is going to be in person, but um, but it is hard these days to figure out where to connect. It's easy to say, hey, I am on LinkedIn and I um, you know, connected with you on social media, but being able to to get involved with an organization or with something in the community, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, I would encourage anybody to volunteer just a little bit. You know, we're most of us are really busy and have limited amounts of time, but you know, we're all members of this community. We're all part of civic life, um, whether we want to be or not. Um, those of us that live in a city, and so. So yeah, there, there's opportunities everywhere to in in the arts and sports and education and you know social service fields. So many so many options. Love it. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Okay, so um, I do this podcast. It's called Feminist Foremothers. It is a Mama Film podcast. Mama Film is a micro cinema that's located here in Wichita, Kansas. It's currently in uh, the Lux uh, apartment building downtown. I believe it's at First and Market. And um, Mama Film was started by Leela Meadow-Connor, who is the executive director of the Film Festival Alliance. And for many years, she uh, led the Tallgrass Film Festival. And she, uh, this opportunity sort of dropped in our laps. She, uh, because of the pandemic, the Sundance Film Festival partnered with some local cinemas across the country to be satellite screens last year. And as part of that, Leela got a little bit of funding from Sundance to produce some local content. It was really completely up in the air what it would look like. And so I was talking to Leela and some other um, amazing people, actually some of the people I mentioned, uh, Terry and Anne and Kate, 
and Kristen Beal from Harvester um, about what that could look like. And, you know, when you're brainstorming, we had all these crazy ideas, like maybe we could, you know, she could commission Shayla Clawson Chandler, who's this incredible uh, choreographer, to do some kind of like Carrie Nation dance, or maybe there could be like a, you know, a parade, and then that gets like a performance and then it gets videoed and then you know a short film and then at some point I said well you know if there's a performance maybe I could write an essay for it that could be read or performed and at some point Leela said you know what why don't why don't we just do this as a podcast and and you can write it and so I said yes um really not understanding what I was getting myself into, which is, I think, a really good thing, because if I had, I would have said no. And I got kind of halfway through the first script for the first episode, which is about Carrie Nation, the infamous Kansas prohibitionist, and uh, realized, oh, this is the most ambitious thing I've ever done. (laughs) And, but at that point I was just, I was in too deep and I uh, didn't want to let Leela down. And I was also really enjoying what I was doing. It just, it was pretty intense um, because there's only three episodes, but they're each about a different quote for mother. The first is Carrie Nation. The second is Hattie McDaniel, who was born in Wichita. Um, the first black woman, the first black person to win an Oscar and um, the third is Rosie the Riveter, who's, of course, not a real person, but uh, many women, quote-unquote Rosies, worked in factories in Wichita during World War II. So three completely different topics that I did not know that much about when I started, um, but, uh, and it turns out that, yeah, a 30 to 45-minute scripted podcast, that's a lot of words, um, but but it, it it totally worked out. It, it took us way longer than we were expecting, but we got it all done and it was an incredible learning experience. And we're, we're talking about a second season. So that's exciting. Oh, great. That was going to be my next question. So uh, where can people find this podcast? Yes. Thank you for asking. So uh, we're on basically most of the podcast platforms and, um, Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast app, um, Spotify, and then pretty much any smaller, like I use Podcast Addict, mm-hmm. any kind of a, the smaller apps as well. And is it under, is it just if you type in Feminist Foremothers or do you type in Mama Film? It's under Feminist Foremothers. Okay. And I know I when I first looked at it, I think I had trouble finding it at first. Now it just pops up, but I was wanting to make sure. Yes, we we were a little bit behind the eight ball and actually like figuring out how to how to get it distributed out there. Um, oh, I, oh, I get that. You're like, oh, we're gonna do it, and then we just like let's push the button, and then we're like, oh, where is it even going? <laughs> where can I actually hear it? And I should say, while I, while I mentioned technical things, that I have to shout out Kylie Brown, who edited the podcast, thank goodness, because that would have killed me. Um, and bless her heart, especially the first couple of episodes, I made so many mistakes, I could barely get through a sentence. So she did an amazing job. And then 
Also, Hannah Lee Scott did the, the artwork for all, all three episodes. So there's portraits of each, um, each foremother. Uh, well, it's very well done, and I highly recommend it. Um, of course, Emily's your voice is just so nice to listen to, and I love I love women's history anyway. And I don't think a lot of people realize. I and mean, first of all, we don't learn learn about a lot of women's history in schools, and secondly, we the, the like the Wichita connection. I didn't even think of that really. With this, I mean, I knew all through all three that there, that would be a Wichita connection, but not thinking oh that that would be three episodes of of, of those women. So I think that's so interesting. Um, I actually teach a class. It's a it's a, a virtual uh, course with Fort Hayes. It's a women in leadership class, um, and so we have some opportunities to use some open educational resources. And um, I put this feminist foremothers on the list because we we spend a little bit of time the first part of the semester um, learning about women's history, and we read a book by Eleanor Roosevelt, and we just kind of talk about women in leadership and. You kind of have to know that historical side, which again, we don't just know about that from from history courses. And maybe they do teach it in history class now. It's been a while since I've taken a history class, but I'll have to ask my history teacher friends um, if they're adding some of that in. I think these days we're, we're getting to that, but definitely put that as a resource because I think it's just so interesting and it has a lot of the a lot of the people in the class or they're from all over, but a lot of them are from like Kansas, and so yeah. I think that'll be that'll be fun for them to listen to. And with this being on uh, this episode on Women's Equality Day, I kind of want to jump into that. So I want to know what your thoughts are on Women's Equality Day, and uh, what lessons we can learn from the feminist foremothers. Yeah, well, I think that you know the biggest lesson that I learned from studying and kind of interpreting these women is that that they have a lot to teach us and that they were complicated and imperfect. And, you know, each one of these women um, in different ways, like really, I mean, broke new ground. Um, I think we look at Carrie Nation as a little bit of a figure of fun, like somebody to sort of dismiss and make fun of, but she was kind of a badass. And she really, she wanted to ban alcohol or wanted to get alcohol out of Kansas, not necessarily because, you know, it wasn't the alcohol, it was what it was doing to the women and children around her. And she was seeing women be abused, women and children be abused um, and, you know, lose their livelihoods because their husbands were drinking and gambling their property away. And she felt like women needed to have more of a voice. And she was willing to go to extremes to to realize what she felt was right. And so, um, but of course, um, you know, each one of these women um, kind of gives us pause in in a way. And I think that what really struck me is it made me feel like, you know, history continues. It didn't end yesterday. We're part of it. And we're making our own mistakes and we're screwing things up here and there. We're human beings. Um, but being able to kind of identify that and own that and um, pick ourselves up and rectify things as best we can and move on 
move forward and do better. And so I think that these women are kind of on that continuum and hopefully we're carrying the best parts of them forward and leaving some of the rest of that behind. Yes, I love it. Was it Laurel Thatcher Oric that said, um, well-behaved women rarely make history? <laughs> and yes. that's it's true of, of, of most of the women that we do learn about with history is that they they did something that got them in trouble, right? Or they spoke out or, you know, other if, if everybody just followed the status quo, nothing would ever change. So I think that's interesting. And yes, here, and I don't think most people, and I think you mentioned this in the podcast, if you're not from Kansas, you probably never heard of Carrie Nation. And here we know, and we're just like, oh, she was this crazy, like schizophrenic woman who heard voices and God talked to her and she like had an ax and like went in and uh, broke, you know, ruined all the bars. And but it, they don't realize that, um, you know, what, what goes behind that. And of course she wasn't the only one to do, to do things like that. She was just very bold in the yeah. way that she did it. And, um, but yeah, the, the reasoning behind the, the prohibition wasn't, wasn't, they weren't all like fun haters. It was literally like, I think I heard it on, maybe it was, a I think it was some kind of documentary. Maybe it was on Netflix about, um, about prohibition and they talked about how like a lot of bars cash checks at the time so that the men could like actually take their paycheck into the bar and then just spend all their money at the bar and then their wives and children had no food or couldn't pay the bills so lots of lots of reasons behind that i am i am glad that we don't have prohibition right now but (laughs) definitely um definitely know that there was there was reasons reasons behind that reasons for that so um definitely um, recommend everybody checking checking out the the podcast. And I love how you talked about how they're um, if they were on social media, the three women. Like, what would be <laughs> what made you think of that? That was actually really Leela. And and I have to. I mean, we worked. I definitely did all the writing, but she's the executive producer of the podcast, and she really her input really shaped it. Um, I mean, she's the one that pointed me toward Chrissy Teigen and the um, the uh, kind of feminist take on sobriety. Um, and she's the one we were we were initially going to have a segment called Feminist or Foe F A U X, and um, and I kind of got to in thinking about it, um, I was like, you know, the word feminist. Carrie Nation didn't call herself a feminist. Hattie McDaniel didn't call herself a feminist, as far as I know. And I also kind of felt like, who am I to judge? It just made me uncomfortable. And so we came up with um, follow, unfollow, or pause for 30 days as a kind of, yeah, just a way to tie it to our current moment. And I think an interesting way of thinking about a historical figure, like where would they be on social media, if at all? Where would they excel and would they be a good follow or not? And I think most, mostly it's like sometimes, you know, <laughs> you might want to, to pause everyone's. I love a, I love a good 30 day pause on Facebook. I think it is a powerful tool for everyone's sanity. So. Yeah. Great. Well, to hear more about that, you'll have to check out the episodes, everyone. It's really, it's really fun to get, it's, you do a great job, Emily, of, of making those connections and making it fun for everybody. Um, because 
as much as I love women's history, I know it's not the sexiest topic for everyone. So I think it's great. But uh, I guess I didn't say what Women's Equality Day is. Not everybody knows that. So that is the um, so the anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. And um, sadly, we were celebrating, supposed to have big celebrations everywhere in 2020. Um, I was actually supposed to go with some friends, meet up with some friends at, uh, at Seneca Falls, and we were going to do the whole thing and wear the whites and the sashes. And we were like really pumped up about that. So I don't know if they'll do a redo at some point. But um, but one thing around that, um, well, and then the um, Equal Rights Amendment that didn't actually um, get passed here in, in, the, in the U.S. And so it became later, they call it Women's Equality Day. So it's kind of, I think the, the name of it's kind of tricky because people are like, oh, Women's Equality Day is, it means all women are equal and then thinking of it and it's like, uh, no, not, that's not really what it's about. And I think for, um, for women of color, women, you know, anybody on the margins, um, you know, the 19th amendment didn't necessarily, you know, wasn't all inclusive, um, for sure. And so a lot of women of color didn't even, weren't able to, you know, actually cast a ballot till civil rights movement or even, even after that. So, um, even though, we, you know, semi-celebrated the 100th anniversary, that doesn't mean that that's still happening. And that's something that I talk a lot about in my, my class that I teach because I don't want them to think, you know, we watch Iron Jawed Angels about women's suffrage. We, we want everybody to know that these things happen and they fought, women fought really hard for these rights, but they didn't necessarily benefit everyone. And so um, I think moving, you know, is moving forward, always trying to think about how can we be more inclusive um, if we're calling ourselves feminists, whether we call ourselves feminists or not, you know, how can we be more inclusive than, than the women before us? Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's kind of deep stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I feel like the best thing that we can do for those of us who are relatively privileged, middle-class white ladies, um, is to, if we, if we're not, if we haven't already, is to work on our understanding of, of how we're received, how we show up in the world. Um, you know, I, I walk through the world differently than a black woman, than a Latina, um, than an Asian American or Pacific Islander or an indigenous woman. That's it, just the way that it is. Um, it, that's a hard thing for a lot of us to acknowledge. And I think that if we don't have that lived experience and if we don't have very close friends or family members who are um, not white, then I, I think some of us have been shocked a bit over the past few years to understand that um, racism is more pervasive and harmful than we thought that, that it was. Um, so, I think it takes some time for that to sink in. And what's been most helpful for me over the past few years is to really prioritize listening to the voices of women who have racialized identities. So like, for example, and I love podcasts for this because you're literally listening to a woman's voice. I'm listening to a podcast called All My Relations right now, which is hosted by Matika Wilbur and Adrienne Keene, and they're both Native women that they, they tackle a different topic that's relevant to indigenous people every week and um, also interview a bunch of other people. Uh, so I highly recommend that. Um, I'd encourage anybody to read like Tressie McMillan Cotton, uh, Bill Hooks, Adrienne Marie Brown. 
The Nap Ministry is an amazing follow on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I, if you like fiction, Kylie Reed was uh, her first novel. Such a fun age was long listed for the Booker Prize. Um, it's one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to, and a lot of these, a lot of these women, um, not all of them, but a lot of them, they write about whiteness and but not necessarily to a white audience. And that's not to say that a book like How to Be an Anti-Racist is um, that you shouldn't read it. I think when non-white people are writing specifically to white people, I think that could be really helpful. But um, I think listening in on um, particularly people talking to each other has been really helpful for me. And Years ago, um, it's no longer being produced, which is so sad because it was one of my favorite podcasts. Um, But my first experience with this was the podcast Another Round, which used to be a, I think think it was a BuzzFeed podcast. Um, And oh, I didn't prepare for this. So Heaven Nagatu and Tracy, I can't think of her last name. But anyway, it's still good. I go back and listen to some of the episodes and just listening to two black women talk to one another um about what they were interested in and um and kind of pleasing themselves and not directing to a white audience i think that um was kind of my first experience with that and then after that i kind of kept seeking out the same kinds of things yeah and i'm looking up i'm looking up an author right now so i (laughs) i recently just read a book called white feminism by koa beck and it's really good it's a there's like some painful moments though where you're like oh some of your feminist heroes or doesn't mean that and like you said we're all still in history we're all still learning and you know mistakes are made and um you know that's but you know you just you see some of those to see some of some of some of my feminist heroes be like oh maybe they weren't so inclusive or maybe they kept kept certain groups out when they were during the, during the second wave. And even now, um, even in the nineties, you know, you think it's, it's considered the third, I think we're in the fourth wave now. I don't know. You don't know until it's like over, right. Until it's actually history. But I think that third wave in the nineties, we all thought, Oh, riot girls. And everybody's like, but even then, you know, even then there were, there were, there was a lot of, this is for white ladies and it's for middle-class women. And this doesn't apply to everyone. Feminism, feminism was, you know, almost a privilege. And so um, I think now we understand that more, those of us who just thought that, oh no, it includes everyone. <laughs> we love everyone. We want everyone to be equal. When you think of, you know, how you define, I asked my class how you define uh, feminism, like personally, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the definitions are equality for everyone. Um, yeah. you know, and what does that mean? And I think, you know, in the past, that meant something very different than what it means now. So it's exciting that there are so many podcasts and books and things that we can can read and learn um, for those of us that just don't have or probably not going to have those experiences. Um, I think that's great. So thank you for sharing those. It's really yeah, exciting. I, I just want to add briefly that, I mean, I think that's where to start, not where to stop. But I think that understanding is really crucial because if we're walking through the world with this defensive, you know, it's not me, then we, we really cannot get further than that. Yeah. And 
I agree. That's somewhere to start, not stop. Definitely. Again, like we said at the beginning of this, to get involved in the community, get involved. You know, you can't always be, don't wait to be invited to things all of the time. Um, and that, that is a fine line, right? When you're talking about um, attending an event or, or being in a space where um, maybe you're going to be the only white person or maybe you're going to be the only woman or something like it's, 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 I think it's a fine line of, yeah, you don't have to be invited, but you also don't want to insert yourself somewhere where you're not, not welcome or where, you know, you're going to be, you don't want to be speaking for someone, speaking for someone else or speaking for a group. And I think that's been happening a lot with social media too, is we don't speak for, for, for anyone but ourselves, but I think we can, we can, we can get out of our comfort zones a little bit. And, and, and ask if we can be invited. That's something I do a lot here. Danielle Johnson gives, uh, laughs at, I just, I will just ask, can I just, can I come to this or can I, and she's like, yeah. And I'm just like, well, I just want to make sure, um, I want this to be about somebody else and not about me and um, participating in different events or even posting, um, I was at a Juneteenth event with a friend and posting on social media about it. I'm like, I don't want to, we are not going to post a bunch of selfies of our of, uh, two white ladies at this Juneteenth event. We want to, we want to share what's going on and, and recognize the organizers and tell them what a great job they're doing and what, what they're celebrating and what the history of this is. I think that's kind of just getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. And yes, it's still fun to take selfies and say, hey, I was there, but it's not about the, hey, I went to this event and look at me and it's not about or I, my biggest pet peeve is when like the media comes out and they probably don't do it on purpose but they're trying to interview you're at some event that's you know different it's different from your group and you're kind of an outsider and so then you're they interview you like hey white lady you're at this event I'm like no don't interview me go talk to everybody else that's that's the that's the point so I think that's for me that's that's been the next step is I can read and listen and do all these things and talk about it with you and talk about it on this podcast who are a lot of our listeners are primarily, I mean, that's our target audience. We want to obviously grow that, but you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, um, you know, white ladies here in Wichita. So how do we, um, how do we grow that? And, and then we have to get ourselves out there and get out and again, getting involved in the community, whatever way that is, um, I think no, is the best true. way to do that. And years ago, I was at an event at Harvester, and I remember that uh, there's an amazing local artist, Megan Miller. She's actually in grad school at Wichita State right now. And she said, you know, um, we, we were talking about the segregation in the arts community. And she said, my husband, Mike, always says, if we want people to come to our parties, we need to go to theirs. And so I think a good metric for am I welcome is, is there an audience? If there's an audience, um, particularly in an arts event, like, put yourself in a seat. I mean, um, any sort of artist or creator or performer, they're, they're begging for an audience. So, um, you know, go to Mulberry Gallery, go see a Rise Ensemble, go to the Kansas African American Museum. Those are, those are all things that are, are there for everyone to experience. And um, that's something I ask myself all the time. Like, am I, is this for me? Um, but sometimes it's really easy. If, there's an audience, yes, um, almost always. It's it's for anybody. Yeah, I love it. Well, that's my challenge for this Women's Equality Day, and and any day is um, you know it's fun to celebrate where we've been and definitely learn and and listen to feminist foremothers and um, kind of celebrate those wins. But then um, you know get get into more what what can we do? What's ahead? What's how can we move forward and how can we get better? So. 
I love it. All the feel goods. That's the way to way to say that was my other question was kind of how can we celebrate? And to me, that's how I think we kind of answered it. That's how we can celebrate is 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 learning more, getting more involved, getting out there um, so that we can all be better in the future yeah. in, the hist- in the history that we're making. Yeah. And, and I think we can all step into our own power and our ability to influence our community. And, you know, I haven't always been in a place where I could go support you know, locally women, locally owned businesses a lot financially, but I can, you know, I can recommend it. I can leave a Google review. I can um, share posts on social media and let other people know. I think sometimes we think we're, we don't have any power, but we all, we all do on some level. We all have a, a group of people that we can influence. For sure. Oh, it's so great talking to you. See, I told you we'd go short, but we actually went long because we could just talk forever. But thank you so much for joining joining me today. And um, Emily, just I always love seeing what you're doing, and I always follow follow you. And I'm just like, oh, well, if Emily's going to this this event, it's going to be good. Or I gotta I gotta follow you. So can't wait to see what you write and what you do next. And everyone, check out Feminist Foremothers and. Uh, we'll be um, be back talking to everybody soon. So have a great Women's Equality Day and a uh, great week, everyone. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye.